Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. We are your hosts, Ken Seymour and Richard Geiger. How are you, Richard? I'm doing well. Not in the uh, studios. No. Notice a little something different, maybe? I don't know. (laughs) I gotta say, I'm excited. This is the first time we've been able to be back together in the same spot at the same time. I think it'll make a lot of difference, especially, if nothing else, just for the delay in... uh, audio and visual cues as we go back and forth timing yes i've found that sometimes when you say something on the zoom meeting it comes as a delay so then when we listen to it there's a long pause as your audio comes through yeah then my response to your audio comes through so we shouldn't have that for this one. it's just a little a little off-putting but hopefully we'll feel so much more natural in our new well temporary studio uh, that we're working with we got some stuff that we're going to be putting together where we're going to look even better very soon but for the moment we'll make do with what we've got look even better i mean i look good i don't know well i I think i could use some work you know just a little bit around the temples maybe uh lower one ear three inches so that everybody stares at me ah fond uh fond dreams someday all right All right, so no further in our waiting are we going to be having in talking of English, like as if not in our native tongue. I understood what you were saying. Yeah, absolutely. We are going to get into the meat of the episode. We are talking about the history of comic book movies again. We are back into it. It is a long road. We've been working on stuff for quite some time, coming back and forth, um, back and forth into just trying to have these years where there's just tons and tons of movies and it just takes a little while to get through this year is not one of those years no yeah usually when we do one of these we have to split it up into two episodes and yeah. even in those two episodes we talk about movies that were like um i haven't i haven't ever seen this movie but we still have to split it up into two episodes and this one will probably be a slightly shorter episode i would say yeah there, there are just not a ton of comic based movies uh, we are in the year 2015 uh the glut of comic movies had been just on a rail constantly more and more comic book movies you would think that this would just be another of those years where there are a ton for whatever reason not so much now in our definition as always comic book movies are movies based on comic books what else That's it. Pretty much it. Now, graphic novels do count as a comic book, but not a comic strip. Uh, So if you are a fan of Peanuts, there was a Peanuts film in 2015. We're not going to talk about that. That's based on a comic strip. It can even have been a book or something else before it was any form of comic book, just so long as it was not in another audio-visual format. No radio shows, no television show that became... Uh, a comic book after the fact and then was transformed into a movie or, you know, transformed, right? We can't see it. The microphone's in the way. What about the language? Well, the language uh, of the original source material needs to be in English or have been translated to English before it was made into a film. Uh, It's not so much that we don't like a lot of these other Uh, films and television shows based on properties outside of the United States. But if we included everything, we would never finish. Uh, And you know how we just talked about there were years where there were several films where we didn't see. 
There would be years where we would just be listing films we didn't see. <laughs> lots and lots. Now, <laughs> lots. we've made an exception for this rule, but that's okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's not always black and white. There's a little bit of gray. <laughs> a little bit. But we have a handful of films this year. In fact, there are four films in 2015 that we're going to be talking about. Um, and in fact, we have, between the two of us, seen at least all of these films except for maybe one. I think uh, there was one that we didn't catch. We maybe start with that one. Did you end up catching Diary of a Teenage Girl? That's a big negatory on that one. Uh, it actually looks like it could be pretty fun. Uh, the person that created this original piece of... Where am I? In this new studio, I don't know where everything is yet. Uh, <laughs> the, the mouse flies around. Um, the person that created this graphic novel was uh, Phoebe Gleckner, and it came out in 2002. Uh, North Atlantic uh, Books is the uh, publisher that was involved with it. And so if you have not caught the source material and you like the movie, that's what you want to take a look at to kind of compare the two together. Um, but the movie came out in 2015, and it was directed by Mariel Heller. Now, where do we know her from? Um, I don't know. I <laughs> don't, don't know where we know her from. Come on. Queen's Gambit. She was actually a, an actress in Queen's Gambit that came out not too long ago. But we actually, uh, as far as directorial pieces, she did a handful of things uh, after this, but I really don't see a whole lot before. So I'm wondering if maybe this was her initial foray into directing, uh, or maybe she just had a lot of theater work ahead of time. Um but in terms of just movies, this this is the first one. So as far as the um, the casting goes, it has uh, a lot of people that have been in the industry for a while and some people that you just won't generally uh, know necessarily. But it's got Kristen Wiig in it, who I happen to love uh, in pretty much anything that she does. Very funny, very amusing. Uh, it does have uh, the, the, the main uh, actress, uh, Belle Powley, um, you may or may not recognize her, but uh, she has actually been in quite a few things. Uh, if you've seen The King of Staten Island that came out on Netflix not too long ago, she was in that. Um, but she's been in uh, quite a few different things here and there. A lot of uh, a lot of television programs, primarily. Yes, none that I have seen. So, <laughs> hooray! Okay, but we got the get the easy one out of the way first, right? Yes. Well, it's uh. Since neither of us really have much to say about that, I, I'll say I definitely want to see it just for the fact that Mario Heller has something to do with it. I'm, I'm curious. I bet it'll be pretty pretty awesome. But let's get into something that I intended to watch that I never actually got to because I saw the previous three incarnations of this film that came out in 94 and the mid-2000s. But uh, when I saw the commercial for this film come out, my initial reaction was no, 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 and possibly no. Uh, but I intended to, I, I had no time, unfortunately. I just ran out before we got to, to needing to record this particular episode. Uh, what are we talking about, Richard? A movie with a number in it that's supposed to be fantastic, but, um, is not so much fantastic. Yeah. I almost went wrestling with that, you know, putting the four fingers up like the four horsemen. Um, yeah, Fantastic Four. We've talked about several iterations of this film. Um, when I saw this come out, I, I had mixed feelings because the 
the cast actually is pretty solid. I mean, I really like Michael B. Jordan. I like Kate Mara. Um, I mean, just all around a, a solid cast. Cast is good, and I, I think one of the problems with this movie uh, is the source material. So let me explain with this. Now, if you are a person who is familiar with the Fantastic Four comic book, you like the property, you like the characters, you like the bad guys, you like all those things. You're not going to like this movie. <laughs> and that that becomes a problem, because if you're expecting to see that, you're expecting to see the iteration of those characters. Now, well, let's be honest, when, you, when, these, when these writers, when these directors create a movie that's based on a comic book, they're going to take liberties, and they're going to change things, and they're going to make it so that it fits differently not always better, but differently on the big screen as opposed to pages. Uh, of course, Fantastic Four had right. a cartoon for quite some time. Well, not quite some time, but like a stretch of episodes. So yeah. it's been on TV, on a screen in some form or fashion. Um, it's actually had several in incarnations of the show over the years. And I, I think the original one, which you can find on uh, Disney Plus right now, seems to be pretty true to the form. In a sense, I've not watched all the episodes and Are I'm not you? familiar with the in-depth uh, layers of the actual comic book itself, but it looks more authentic in a sense. Are you talking about the one that came out in like the, the 2010s? No, the one from like the 90s, I want to say. Okay, because that, that, that I was going to say, because I, I seem to remember there was one that was like around that time frame. And then yeah. the 90s is what a lot of people think. Of. Actually, I had a couple before that, even. There were, there were much older uh, incarnations of that particular uh, cartoon. Now, if, if I'm not mistaken, the Fantastic Four is... The group is old. The comic book's been around for a while. The characters have been around for a while. And right. it is one of Marvel's most popular properties in general yeah definitely yet it's the one that they can never seem to get right why do you think that it can't be done right because obviously if they've they've tried we've talked to someone who was in the original one yeah look back at our archives and you can see um they actually just made it so they could throw it in the dumpster more right. or less and then there was two movies after that and then there's this one and none of them really have that reach or that response that all the other Marvel properties seem to get. Why do you think that's the case? Well, I think a lot of it has to do with the, the type of characters that they are that, that we're dealing with. Um, this is kind of, um, kind of like a, almost like a partridge family or, a, um, like a 70s sitcom family gets powers is the way it felt when it was released as a comic originally. Um, it was, I don't want to say wholesome because that's not quite, that's not quite right, but it was not intended to be edgy. It was, um, it was just very, very digestible, very, I don't know if, again, if simplistic is the right word, but um, it was, it was never going to really push any boundaries. So um, when you try and have something that's going to be, so straight laced, so uh, serious and cheesy. It it's very easy for it to just come across in the bad B movie sort of a way. Um, and I think that's what 
often would happen. Because, I mean, the 2005 uh, Fantastic Four, I really liked in a lot of ways. I, again, I thought the casting on that one was really good. And I think they understood the characters for the most part. And the CGI was getting to the point where they could represent it in a way where it felt good. Uh, Human Torch looked good. Uh, Chris Evans, as that, did a pretty good job. The the casting, uh, like I said, it was, it was pretty solid. But again, when you look for depth on those characters, yeah, it's pretty flat. And I don't think it's necessarily the fault of the people that made the movie. There's, In order to get to the point where those characters have a lot of meat to them, they, they had to have been around for a while. Yeah, and... This particular movie, from what I understand, there was a lot of issues in terms of the director. Like, this isn't necessarily what the director's vision of the movie is. And he stated as much. And it's been very, very poorly reviewed. But let me let me throw out some surface-level views on this. So one, like I said, if you're familiar with and you enjoy the source material, eh, this is loosely based on that. Mostly, eh, loosely, I guess you could say, because the powers are there. But how they get those powers, where they are in their life, those types of things, doesn't necessarily match up. This movie is a high school drama movie, a, ah. a college, a pre-college, a freshman in college level drama because it's presented as the Reed Richards character is in high school, but he's smart and he's trying to do things. And then he kind of messes up a little bit, but he has some success. And his friend who's been there with him the whole time, Ben Grimm, uh, can't come with them to college because it's a special whatever anyway that's what i'm saying like it's a high school setting college setting trying to reach a, a slightly different audience yeah yeah and if if you take your expectations of what a fantastic four movie should be and a marvel movie should be and you get rid of all of that if you walk into this movie and you have never once heard of the Fantastic Four and know nothing about their powers and you watch this movie, you'd come out thinking, yeah, this movie's okay. Honestly, it's not, it's not as awful as people say that it is. The problem is that it's just not true to the source material, which everybody wants, and this is just... This is just not it. Plain no. and simple. Uh, they, the way they get their powers in this introduces another possibility for future films, which is cool, I guess. And <laughs> the Doctor Doom character, which we've talked about off of the podcast, just could be such a powerful, important scary scary like so many words to describe this character as a bad guy which could actually turn into a good guy in times to help people but is ultimately a bad guy but not because he want anyway the way this character is developed in this movie it's just like flat villain come on man you know it that begins that 
lies there therein lies the problem with this one we've discussed before that the the best comic book the best movies like this have good bad guys and that's not the point in this one and it was like the first fantastic four movie from the uh, what 2004 or 5 the doctor doom character of course they had doctor doom on that one and that right. still turned out weird so this yeah. one's this one's even weirder. If you get the, you'll you'll see what I'm saying. Like get a chance, if you get a chance to watch it. I but. still have it on my list of to watch stuff because I want to I want to see it because I, I from what I understand, it also has um, a fair bit of influence from the Ultimates universe. Um, That's correct. I I had to read on why some people were presented in a certain way or how their powers were used and the notes that said it was more. It, it drew from the from the ultimates which is i'm un, completely unfamiliar with but that explained some of what i was seeing on the screen yeah i'll wager that that's probably a good chunk of of why it didn't feel like the original source material to you is just that it was it was from from a, a different source uh when the ultimates came out it was intended to be a, a reimagining and an updating of the characters for more modern day stuff and they did a lot of really interesting things. And then they took some chances that made really no sense. Um, but, uh, you know, that's going to happen with comic books. you got to try, and sometimes it's going to work, and sometimes it's not. And just enjoy the successes as well as the failures, and sometimes that's going to follow you to the films. Um. And, and we've talked about different streaming platforms in the past, and we've said, hey, HBO Max has this, or this is on Netflix. Uh, we're not advocating for you to get a subscription to any of these. It's just that we can tell you where we've seen them at. Right. And this one's on Disney Plus right now. So yeah. it it's only been there for a month, right? maybe two months. So it's not been on there for very long because it was a, a Fox property still. But right. those things have been slowly transitioning over. We've seen all the X-Men movies, almost all of them transition over. Uh, but this one... This one's fresh, so it's there. If you actually want to check it out and you have Disney Plus, there's your chance to watch it. I mean, Doctor Doom is is no uh, is no Thanos, but uh, generally a pretty awesome villain. And even even uh, even in this instance, I, I heard there's a couple scenes where he comes off pretty cool. So you never know; could be a fun watch. Um, but let's move on to something that. Uh, Maybe not only that we've both seen, but uh, where I think a lot of the world has seen it at this point, because as part of the MCU, we move into the uh, the 2015 film Ant Man, which is I'm not going to say it's divisive, but some people love this film and some people for some reason just don't don't get it. It doesn't hit them the right way. But I I tell you what, I had so much fun with this particular film. I want to say I've seen this movie like four times, three times, four times. And the last time I watched it, which was f fairly recent, within the last couple weeks actually, because I wanted to make sure that I was fresh in discussing these movies since we're getting really into the groove of all of these Marvel movies and then the Fox movies and then all the other stuff. It's just like, this is the stuff that's fresh in people's minds, so I wanted it to be fresh in my mind. And... In watching this one, the the movie is fun. The characters are fun. Yeah. The, this isn't this isn't necessarily your T 
typical Marvel movie, I don't think. Um, it's more lighthearted. And yeah. I could see when you when you think of the Ant-Man character, at least from my little bit of experience with it, you think of the Hank Pym Right, that's character. that's the, the that's the core character, and that's the character that creates Ultron in the comic books, but not in the MCU universe. And I guess I don't have a problem with Scott Lang being it because they Paul Rudd being that character gives you that lightheartedness, gives you the fun, gives you the energy, and and the Hank Pym character is not that no at all no he's and, kind of a punk and i think that's why they decided to go that direction if i had a guess is just because you have to honor that character because he is the he is the character but then there's been scott lang isn't there isn't there a third there, there's been other there there uh actually uh if i remember correctly cassie lang also becomes ant-man for a while um, but yeah, they've, they've had several individuals that have had the growing and shrinking capabilities with a variety of different names. Um, but it's, I think they did a great job because Scott Lang is, uh, again, kind of a more current, uh, more relatable character, uh, than Hank Pym is, but I thought they did a great job, not only of paying homage to what that character should be, but the, the casting of Michael Douglas in that role and the way that they wrote him, that is 100% Hank Pym. And he's, they also explained it in this movie that he's been around, right? He's been around for a while. The character of Ant-Man has been around for a while. The technology has been around for a while. They use the de-aging uh, technology to give him a different, younger face in the presentation of it. Right. And... and, and I think one of the other things that's cool is they keep going back. They keep touching on some of the previous characters, too, because you have the Peggy Carter character. You have the Howard Stark character in it. Right. So we we get a, a continuation of all the all the people from some of the previous setups. So it just all merges, and they did a good job in introducing this character that, in, in a certain sense, is a really probably should have been introduced long before this for an Avengers movie. Well, you know, you but. only have so much that you can do with a particular set of films. I mean, when they first started the MCU, who, you know, they couldn't have known how it was going to blow up and how popular it was going to be. So, I mean, as as they did actually, I think, a fantastic job of laying the groundwork and putting in the seeds. But, I mean, again, there there's hundreds of comic book characters and history and... It's it's just impossible. They're they're going to they have to change things. There's no way around it. Yeah, but if you look at the let's look at the the cast in this too. So we've talked about Paul Rudd, Michael Douglas, but I, I think as as important as those people are in this particular movie is when you start moving down the list and you see the supporting characters in it. Yeah, I really think that's what makes this movie. A little more special in a certain sense because everybody plays a fun important part in the movie well and then uh, while that's 100 percent true i think in a lot of ways this is all michael pena <laughs> i mean every time i see it that's what i want to see is his character it's it's funny how he has like 
and how they shoot it too, like with the fast talk and the explanation, but then they show corresponding with that, like the video of right. them doing those certain things and then them mouthing the words that he's saying as he's just speeding along for it. <sighs> it it is pretty funny. And of course they carry that into the second one as well. But that was so good. They they set the stage in this one and I they do really make the the movie really fun. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And, I mean, Judy Greer, even though she doesn't have a huge role in this particular film and her role is not exactly comedic, she's super funny. Um, so, I mean, it's just, it was uh, setting themselves up to succeed. Uh, Evangeline Lilly can do pretty much anything. I mean, you put her in something, she's generally pretty awesome. Um, and the the one thing that I thought was very funny is I know I was talking uh, with Richard uh, off of the show uh, a little while ago, talking about specifically um, Iron Man and the fact that uh, you know uh, John Favreau did the directing for that, and then you see the film Chef uh, with John Favreau, and all of a sudden, who do I see? It's Tony Stark. Wait, no, uh, <laughs> but it's not. Uh, he manages to get a bunch of the the cast members that were that he's worked with in this other movie, and it's like, oh, that's that's kind of cool. Well, there's that same kind of crossover in this because you've got uh, Bobby Cannavale, uh, who plays the uh, kind of stepdad character, who is also in Chef. <laughs> so, and see, I'm I recognized him from. Boardwalk Empire. Yeah. And he was kind of a he he was a like a main adversary in one of the seasons and he came off as like a character that people really would hate for sure. Nice. But um it just shows that he can pull off multiple different types of people. Right. Uh so yeah, he's like I said every little every little bit in this one is is good. And they even throw in, like, if you think about this as an Avengers family movie, you get a little, a little tease, a little toss in, uh, with another Avengers character in there as well, which is actually touched on later on in other movies too. Yeah. So it's definitely really good. If you haven't seen this one, I, like I said, this is one of the ones I enjoyed quite a bit more. And I think they had a lot of fun with it. Um, and it's just, just, just lighthearted and great. Um, and when you compare it to the other MCU film in that same year, Avengers Age of Ultron, uh, the sequel blockbuster to the original Avengers film, um, I actually like the Ant-Man film better than I like Avengers Age of Ultron. It's uh, not exactly that Age of Ultron was bad. It was okay. It was all right. Well, there's a lot going on in this movie. And... I feel like the amount of people in this movie and, and, and because it's a culmination of, you know, generations of, of movies. So I get it. But the fact that there's so many people in this movie and there's so many characters in this movie and there's so much everything in this movie, I think it's hard to hard to have it be put in such one consolidated place. But they do okay with it. You're right. Is this movie the most amazing thing in the world? No. But if I feel like when you watch it the first time and 
you thought, oh, that was cool. And you watch it the second time and you're like, yeah, it's still cool. But then after all these other things have happened and all the other events have happened, and especially with recently the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, when you go back and you revisit this movie, I think it gets better. So I, I kind of think that as you watch this particular one, it does get better each time you watch it. Uh, and because you're well, you're going to look at little things that you maybe missed the previous time. Um, I mean, first of all, when you get the Ultron character voiced by James Spader to begin with, you're already in uh, in a really good starting spot because he's just fantastic. And you've already had several films for all of the actors to really get comfortable with each other and be able to hit uh hit the different uh feelings the not feelings but the different um the different ways that they want uh the feeling of the particular scene that they're going to be in to they just gel together better i guess is what i'm trying to say and when you look at the list of actors and actresses actors however you want to say let's get to what 20 people down and Andy Serkis is in there (laughs) who is arguably one of the best of our generation at doing a lot of green screen things, but he directs, he's, he's great. He's way at the bottom of the list. So just the fact that there is the body of all of these people with all their characters that we've had an investment in, I, I think they were still able to pull off a pretty solid film. And, the the plot piece in it, eh, yeah, it could definitely use some work. Yeah, it was a little weak. But the, but the characters and the, I guess you can say the scope of it. We've talked about this before. Just when you show the presentation of a whole city being lifted off of the earth and falling back to earth, um, that's hard to present and there's some cheesy stuff that's in there, and there's some comedy pieces that get thrown in there when they're doing it too. But the things you don't think about before, so like the Hawkeye character. The Hawkeye <laughs> character is just a dude. Yeah. Right? He's got really good aim. Yeah. But that's it. Hawkeye is just a dude. And there's all these machines flying around, you know, killing people, and there's gods that are out there fighting, and there's this eight foot tall robot that's smashing things. And there's a dude in a iron, whatever suit blasting people. There's a Hulk. And this guy is just a dude. And it's the same thing with the the black widow character. Right. It's just, it's just a woman running around out there. You know, she's got some bracelets and a lot of training and, and that's it. And they, they actually touch on that in this movie which is pretty funny actually but if you're if you're going to put it in a real world setting yeah it's kind of it's kind of interesting just to think about those little those little tiny details um the falcon character it's actually the same thing it's yeah. just a dude but he happens to have these wings that flop out on a backpack on a jetpack so i think that part is cool because you see a lot of those quote superhero teams that have everybody's got powers and these guys really don't they're just really well trained and they're out there fighting amongst people they can smash buildings 
Yeah, and really for me, that's kind of what the draw of this particular film is. It's not so much the overall plot, but there's a, just a, several moments within the film. The the party that they have and the, the bit with Thor's hammer, that's great. Uh, the speech that you're talking about that Hawkeye gives later in the film, that's great. I'm a huge fan of the Quicksilver character in the comic book, so I was super hyped to have both Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch, who I also happen to like in the film, even if I didn't particularly love how one of them ended up at the end of the film, uh, especially since the, the casting was so good, and he did such a great job with, with the character. I mean, uh, you know, just all, all, in, all done, they all tackled their characters extraordinarily well and even though the the plot itself didn't make a lot of sense maybe the physics of trying to lift a city off of the face of the earth doesn't make any sense uh, it still kind of worked and it's fun and you can let go and just enjoy the bits that are there um, yeah just a fun movie maybe not the best but a fun movie and you did get some cool sequences as well so the it, it opens with them kind of attacking a hydra base and that's fun they're all having this good rapport and they're beating people up and there's some funny parts and whatever that's cool um i i think one of the fun sequences that shows up in this one is when they go to africa to see about where the vibranium is showing up Ultron's there and then Scarlet Witch does something and then the Hulk goes crazy and he attacks the city yeah. like that sequence is is actually pretty cool yeah the um, Hulkbuster armor specifically was really well done yeah so there there are some really memorable highlights from this one but if you think about the movie as a whole where are all the highlights well there's that one <laughs> <laughs> so that 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 I think that just tells you right there that the movie it, itself isn't quite the peak of what some of the other movies are, and that, not that that's a bad thing. No. It's just when it's the Avengers, like when it's Avengers two, you expect bigger and better things, and if you're you probably went into this movie with like super high expectations, you oh, yeah. expected this to get a ninety-eight out of one hundred on the score. When it comes back as a seventy-eight, like a seventy-eight's not a bad movie. No, it's just your 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 expectations weren't met at all, and that becomes the problem. Yeah, well, you're going to get that sometimes, especially with what they're doing with the the universe that they're creating. They have hit a home run so many times when they don't it's very apparent um, and what that means is going to be different for everybody because there are people that absolutely love this film and dislike other ones like i said a lot of people don't like ant-man which for me that's a, a much better ranking but because they're taking things that are from different um, contextual standpoints and uh just different thought processes and still trying to maintain that formula that they use. Sometimes it's going to work in different ways. So you're going to have a very, well, a varied experience from, from film to film, uh, from person to person. So it's just as a body of work, that's where I try and look at it as a body of work. It's phenomenal. 
um, as an individual film, you, you know, you're going to get something different each time. And I, I wish, so it's set up, we go back to Andy Circus. It set up such a cool bad guy. Yeah. And, and then they really didn't do anything. And they really didn't do anything with it. So that part was unfortunate because although it wasn't a highlight, it's when you, when you see that character and you know that character's name and you're just like, awesome. We're going to, we're going to get the claw. What's going to happen here? Nothing. (laughs) Maybe next time. Now to be fair, realistically, did you really think that they were going to go the route of pink energy guy that stores himself in his blaster fist? No, but if you saw if you saw the character who had just like a fake hand that turned into a blaster, like okay, they could have done something. They could have done something. That that's cool. But yeah, let's just kill him off, and because that's what we do with bad guys in all the Marvel movies. The end. But they actually, yeah, you're right. They actually killed off a a good guy for no reason. No reason whatsoever. Well, he was shot because he's not faster than bullets somehow except that he is and oh i just i banged my head against the desk multiple times on that one i i don't get it i just don't understand and and whatever yeah see parts like that in this particular movie that's what gives it the downgrade unfortunately just that 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 whole sequence you could see coming and you're like why it just it Made zero sense. It drove zero focus, plot piece, none of it. Yeah, it had no real, real oomph to it. And then the other thing that really got me too is you see where he shot. None of those are like critical areas where he got hit on top of the fact that he shouldn't have gotten hit in the first place. Combine that with the fact that the whole point of his character is that everything is faster so is his metabolic rate. He heals really fast. Should not have died. They should have. So you're saying they, they should have had a sequence where he got shot in the head and his skull got split open? No, no. That would have been worse. And, of course, you know, that's not going to happen in a Disney film. <laughs> but uh, I was fully expecting after seeing where he got shot and when he went down, you see him on the exit craft with hawkeye later it's like he's gonna get up he's of course he's gonna get up because that's not a kill but apparently it is <sighs> let the and rage then, subside and then that's all the movies yeah that's everything for 2015 it was not uh, a massive year uh, so you know that's all right a little palate cleanser of a, a lighter year going into 2016 where we're going to be pretty heavy with a lot of films again uh but we'll definitely come back to 2016 because there's a lot of great stuff uh that happened in that year i figure by the uh, end of this year we may even uh, catch up with uh current day and we'll have to figure out what to do next maybe yeah 16's got some heavy hitters in it so it'll be that might be a two-parter like we talked about i think probably so but what did you think about the movies we always love to get your opinions uh we are of course on social media we're on 
at Real Pudding Guys on Twitter. We are at Pudding Guys on Instagram and on Facebook. And we are Pudding Guys. Pudding Guys. Patreon. Patreon. Oh, Patreon Guys. No, no, just Patreon. Oh, okay. Yeah. Something, something like that. Well, uh, you can come visit us for just $1 a day. You can help support the Pudding Guys as we move things around and <laughs> create new studios. <laughs> And, uh, you know, bring you new, neat stuff. But, uh, yeah, we, uh, we, we love our new digs. Maybe get a little more space when we, <laughs> when we finish things up here shortly. Can't wait to show you how the new stuff is going to look. Now, don't forget, Pudding People, to check us out next week. We will be back with an interview featuring Jill Goldstein. Publicist to the stars. Yes, it should be really interesting. Did you ever wonder what it was like to be a publicist? The person that was going to get your favorite entertainers and your favorite entertainment recognized by the general public, really kind of uh, something that most of us don't think about. And I can't wait to find out more about it. See you next week.